Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Voice of the Church. My name is Pastor Cody, and in this devotional, we continue in our series in the opening chapters of Exodus. Last week, we had spoken about how the Lord provided a deliverer in Moses, who was placed in a basket and drawn out by Pharaoh's daughter. And this week, we're going to be talking about Exodus chapter 3, wherein the Lord calls Moses through a burning bush. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priest of Midian, and led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Today we look at the story of the burning bush. It's one of the beautiful tales of the Old Testament, a story that paints a powerful picture of a faithful God who is actively at work in guiding his people throughout the ages. For this God of ours acts in a world that's broken by sin. He's not abandoned this world, but he's actively at work from the very beginning of creation to its end in carrying out his perfect purpose. And so we've read today of a man who had resigned himself to a quiet life in the land of Midian. Moses, that boy saved from the water of the Nile, elevated from slavery to the highest household in the land, raised by the very daughter of the man who sought his death, Instructed and taught by the finest scholars in the world, he'd fled. He'd fled from one of the greatest civilizations of man into a wilderness that lead a much quieter life. For Moses had been compelled to run away, to flee from the Egyptians, to fear for his life. 
His plans to help the people of God didn't work because they were his own plans and not the plans of a holy God. God would take care of and redeem his people, but it would be at his appointed hour, not the hour of man. And in God's time it did come to pass. Moses was tending to the flocks in the wilderness, and when he was at Oreb, a very special thing happened. A bush was burning, but it wasn't burning up. It's a strange thing to see, as the thinner branches and the various leaves of a bush would cause it to otherwise burn very quickly. So why wasn't it burning up? And Moses decided to investigate, and he witnessed something very special. The sign of the burning bush was special since it displayed the holiness of God. Fire is often associated with the presence of the Lord and His holiness and His special relationships with His people. Indeed, when He established a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15, the Lord passed between the rows in the form of a burning torch. And Moses could not approach the bush, even though he was one called by God, because his Lord was present in a very special way. The holiness of the Eternal One, so great that even in a physical sign of His presence, through something as simple as a bush in the desert, is too great for Moses, a finite man, to bear. But as weak and sinful as Moses was, the Lord still faithful and steadfast. He still invested in redeeming His people. Through this holy sign, the Lord would bring a reminder that he's directing all things according to his perfect promises. So the Lord commanded Moses to take off his sandals, because the place where he stood was holy. Then he revealed himself to Moses. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he also revealed his purpose. I've come down to rescue my people. And after explaining who he was, what he planned to do, the Lord called Moses. Whereas forty years earlier, Moses had no calling to deliver the people of Israel from out of the hand of Pharaoh, now he did. Earlier, Moses had acted on his own initiative and it had failed. But now the Lord calls Moses to be a deliverer. And his appearance to Moses, it wasn't some random occurrence. It wasn't because he suddenly remembered something that had slipped his mind. God sending Moses was not like him running to the kitchen to pull the casserole out of the oven after forgetting to set a timer. This activity was done because of his holy promises. God had already foiled the schemes of Satan and the folly of man and their futile efforts to destroy the lineage of Israel. Though mankind had hardened himself to the point of open infanticide, the Lord had blessed the people they had continued to grow. But his plans for them did not have them remain in Egypt forever. God's covenant promises of salvation makes the revelation of his name in this way that much more significant. It reminds us that just because God's the unchanging one does not mean he does not implement change. That just because God's beyond time doesn't mean he does not act in time. In this way, the Lord would establish his name as steadfast and faithful. I am who I am.
This is the name most commonly used for our God in the Old Testament, and it's nearly never literally translated. Instead, the title Lord is used. Whenever you see Lord in all capital letters in your Bibles, it's actually this covenant name that was recorded in Hebrew. Our God has many names, and the names that he's revealed to us was given so that we may praise him and glorify him for who he is. Or to know our God as a holy and majestic God who is unapproachable. Only his love and grace in establishing a covenant makes a relationship with him possible. And the holiness of God prevents any true relationship from being possible apart from man being made holy as well. And this holiness, my friends, can only be ours in the name of the Son of God, Christ Jesus our Lord. Our relationship with the God who brought Israel out of the land of Egypt is only possible because of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And this Christ Jesus is the one who made Israel's relationship with God possible as well. He's actively at work in gathering for himself a people for everlasting life. He's been doing so from the very beginning of the world right through to its end. It's his work that makes our relationship with God possible. And he's identified himself as the great I Am, as true and eternal God. We read in John 8 that Jesus responded to the Jewish leaders, criticizing him by testifying that he was greater than Abraham. He said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The Son of God is the one who revealed himself to Moses, as he is the one through whom and for whom God is working in this world. He's the one who can be called the great I Am. As the author of Hebrews reminds us, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And indeed, it's only because Christ Jesus is unchanging that we may have certainty that his sacrifice on the cross is enough for us to enter into eternal rest. Being the great I Am also means there's nothing beyond him. Because Christ Jesus is true and eternal God, there's nothing greater than him. He has no beginning. He has no end. He was not created. He simply is. We cannot fathom that he has no beginning. We cannot grasp that there's nothing beyond him, but he simply is. And his eternal, unbridled, unlimited existence grounds us in the gospel truth that his sacrifice cannot be questioned by anyone as insufficient. And that his redeeming work cannot be questioned also grounded in who he is. And that there's no reasonable question to ask of our God who is. We're not to ask what sense it makes for his bearing the cross. We cannot ask what justice is satisfied. We cannot ask whether good is truly good or Evil is truly evil. We cannot determine that everything must be relative, including salvation. Why? Because Jesus is. Jesus is gloriously self-determined, self-established, self-directed, self-evident, all because of who he is. I am who I am. God revealed his name as I am who I am, as a covenant relationship. His desire is to have a beautiful and living relationship between God and man. 
his loves for his children, redeemed from a broken world. And that relationship, that love, that grace and peace is ours because God has a covenant with us, just as he had established with the father of believers, Abraham, so many years ago. His grace is evident in the person and work of Christ Jesus. We may have a blessed relationship with a God who's not distant, who's not far off, who's not uninvolved or uninterested in this world or in our lives. We have a God who loves us. So let us not hesitate to walk before him with grace and truth, fearing nothing in the confidence of who he is, not who we are. Let's conclude our devotional on Exodus chapter 3, wherein the Lord calls Moses through the burning bush. Next week, we'll be turning to this passage to speak about Moses' questions for God. Until then, may you have a blessed day.